Welcome to the Mercy Commons podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that the Word of God encourages you and that the Holy Spirit empowers you. Guys, this is Puran. He's a, he's a friend of mine. He almost was not a friend of mine, and I'll show you why. Can, can, we, uh, can we put that photo up there? Okay. Um, I want to tell you what that is. Can, can you see how happy I am with, with that? The, that's me at Kathmandu Airport. The, the night before, Puran came to me and said, can you please take something to Raman in India? And I'm like, sure. You know, what is it? He says, some cheese. Uh, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, how big could a piece of cheese be? You know I mean? I'm thinking probably this big. That is a 20-pound wheel of cheese, okay? It is yak cheese, right? And so the next morning, he gives this to me, and it cost me about two hours at the airport. I eventually had to phone Raman and say, do you want to pay $200 for a pound of cheese? Um, anyway, to cut a long story short... One of the reasons why I don't share any sympathy with Puran, because a lot of people are asking him to bring stuff from the U.S. to Nepal, is because of this, you know. So I'm working through my lack of forgiveness. Um, um, but I met Puran in 2017 at the Advanced Global Time. I had known Raman for a, a long time. And, uh, and Puran kind of heads our work in Nepal. He oversees... Uh, a number of men who have responsibilities over a number of churches. Um, and so what I want to do is introduce some of those men. I'm going to pray for Puran, and then I'm just going to release him. So let's go to the next slide. That's Kaluram. And next one, that's Hadi. That is Hira. That's Chandra. And not Amar. Just so you know, how do you say that? Amar. Amar. That's pretty good with my accent, right? Okay. Um, but the reason why Puran is here, he just called on Tuesday and said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be here. Would it be great? Uh, it would be great to be with you. And we just kind of pulled an audible because we've been supporting the work in uh, Nepal. The last trip we made out to Nepal in February of 2020. We're also going to be putting a trip together in November to Nepal and India. Um, and so I thought it would be a great opportunity for you guys to meet Puran and for him to encourage us in terms of what's happening um, in Nepal. So I'm going to pray for you and then just let you loose. Father, I want to thank you for this man. I want to thank you for what you've done in his life. I want to thank you for the gift that he is, but I also want to thank you for the gift that he's going to bring us. God, I want to pray that our hearts would be open uh, to hear what it is that your spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Thank you, Nick. Hello, Mercy Commons. Uh, can, can we have that uh, uh, PowerPoint presentation of my family? Um, first of all, I come from Nepal, so English is not my mother tongue. And um, so you have to tune your ears, you know, to understand my Nepali accent English. <laughs> and uh, so this is my family, uh, married to Rebecca in 1999. And uh, then soon after, the Lord blessed us with our elder son, Darshan, and Roshan. Both of them are part of our worship band. And in 2007, we came to Nepal to plant a church. And Darshan was seven years old, and Roshan was five and a half. 
And um, initially they thought, you know, we came to Nepal for on a holiday because we often used to come to Nepal, you know, to visit our family member in, in the month of like December, Jan, it gets very, very cold up in Missouri in India. And uh, so initially they thought we are in, in a holiday trip. And after being there for a couple of months, and then they came to know we are there to plant a church. And they would always ask, Dad, uh, yes, they were very excited, and they want to be part of our plant, and they were ready to serve whatever capacity they could. And uh, so, so they wanting to know how we plant a church. And, and I would tell them, well, sweep the floor, you know, put the chairs, make some tea, and they were really excited. They, they, they would always, you know, come in the morning and set up the hole, set up the place. Although we did not have any big hole, we started this church in our home only, but they were very, very excited being part of church planting mission. And let me tell you, the children play vital role in our mission, especially in our church planting. When we came to Nepal, our, Hindi, our Nepali wasn't very good because we used to speak in Hindi. And, um, you know, whenever we spoke, people knew that we are not from, from that, you know, from Nepal. So, so they were a little bit hesitant to speak to us. But everyone wanting to talk to our children because they were small, cute, and Hindi speaking. Nepali appearance with Hindi speaking, that is something they could not comprehend. So everybody would talk to them. And by God's grace, we met so many families through our children. And let me confess, without them being part of our mission, our church planting would not, would not have been easy. And I just wanted to thank, you know, I was very encouraged to see Neil and, and their two children serving there, you know, at the table and, uh, you know, uh, preparing for communion. Yes, of course, that's how you plant church. You know, you need, you know, adult as well as children. They all play equally vital role in God's kingdom. So let me encourage all, your, all the parents, don't put your children somewhere back in the, you know, in your, you know, other places, and uh, encourage them, whatever capacity they can serve in the church, let them serve. That is the best way how, you know, one of the best gifts that we can offer to our children. So I'm so happy, so glad, both of my son, they love the Lord, and they love people, and, and they're part of worship band, so the Lord has blessed us so much, you know. I can't ask anything more than, you know, what the Lord has given to us. Although me and my wife were always fond of girl, and uh, we have been praying and waiting, and, and it, you know, sometimes we thought of adopting, but my wife is not very sure, so we are still waiting and praying. So, so this is my family, and can we have the, the next slide? Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm, I'll be sharing my journey, how we came to Nepal, and uh, then at the end, um, there's, there's a word the Lord has put in my heart, and that is something I, I know I, I will share as well. So uh, I was part of, uh, part of a church in India, which Raman leads, Raman and Kiran, and Nick knows them very well. Uh, I served in that church from 1994 to 2006. I got married in 1999. And in 2000, we wanted to shift to Nepal to plant a church. And Raman said, Puran, you just got married, you know, you just got new wife, and why don't you, husband and wife, grow in the life of the church? And I said, yeah, that's a good plan. Definitely, you know, we will stay for another year. And then we kept on waiting year after year. We waited for seven years. And I'm so glad we waited for seven years because I thought after, you know, finding a wife, I'm perfect, I can do everything, but I realized... 
I realized I wasn't, I wasn't like anywhere closer to what I am today. So, so, so we waited, and I just want to encourage all the young people, submit to your leaders and elders, because, because sometimes we think we know everything, but, but we don't know, you know. So it is always better to submit to our elders and leaders and, uh, you know, get uh, advice from them. And this is the small you know, place in the northern part of India, a place called Missouri, and, um, and that's where I was part of, you know, part of that church for many years. And end of 2006, beginning of 2007, we came to Nepal to plant a church. Another slide? Yeah. I asked here a lot of people in the United States of America. I said, I'm from Nepal. Do you know anything about Nepal? And a lot of people, they don't know anything about Nepal. It's a tiny, small country, sandwiched between India and Nepal. And um, although it's a, it's a small country, but it's supposed to be very famous, but nobody knows about it. <laughs> Nepal hosts eight tallest mountains in the world, including Mount Everest. So now you know how famous Nepal is, right? <laughs> Yes, it's a very small country, landlocked country, and uh, we rely on India for all our supplies and groceries, as well as, you know, uh, China as well. But towards Chinese side, because of the big mountains, the road transportation is not very good. So even if you, you know, buy stuff from China, it has to come from India. So India is very good friend of ours, as well as China. So, uh, next slide. Yes, this is, this is our house. That's where, you know, we started our church, just with a handful of people. And, um, and it, it's very difficult to find a bigger venue in Nepal. Kathmandu is very crowded, and a lot of the houses are very small. And, uh, and part of our church planting strategy is all our church planting. There are 35 churches we are working at the moment, and a lot of them started in, in homes only. And just gathering, you know, a handful of people, starting worshiping. And, and, and I'll tell you in a while what, you know, how we plan church. What are the keys to, to plant the church and, and opening the door for the gospel? So this is where all it started back in, uh, you know, back in April uh, 2007. And the next slide. Yeah, this is the venue where we are at the moment. Uh, um, and the next slide. Yeah, this place might look bigger but it is very small, maybe half the size of this hall, and can sit about 100 people. And, um, you know, like, we are, we are more than 150 people. If all come at once, there's no enough space to, you know, to accommodate everyone. So, and our lease agreement expires next month in April, so we have to, you know, shift from this place, and we are praying and trying to find another venue. And yet in Kathmandu, because uh, Kathmandu and Nepal is a Hindu-dominant country, and as well as Buddhist, for Hindus, allowing their premises for church use, it's for, them, for them, it's like defiling their premises. So they don't want any church in their house or in their building. So it's one of the biggest you know, uh, challenge and battle a lot of the churches in Nepal are going through. So that is something, you know, um, you guys, you know, can join, you know, with us, you know, pray for us that the Lord opens up a venue uh, which would be big enough to accommodate all the people. And the next slide, yeah, this is again our church hall, church hall, you know, presently that we are using. This is Kathmandu Valley. When you fly into Kathmandu, 
you would hardly notice any empty spaces. Maybe there are a few grounds you know, owned by government. Uh, otherwise, it's very, very crowded. And um, you know, the roads are also very you know, narrow, very small roads. And houses are you know, in, built next to each other. And um, yeah, normally houses are like they would go a couple of stories because they cannot expand right and left. The only place to go is, is up you know, horizontally. So it's a very crowded city, but very fascinating. Can we have the next slide? Yeah, this is um, one of the, one of the uh, township called Bhaktapur in Kathmandu Valley. And Bhaktapur means city of devotees. Literally, the whole township is surrounded with temples and shrines. You know, every corner, every um, you know, street you walk is uh, full of temples. And um, I mean, it, the, the structure and all that look very fascinating, but there's a lot of, lot of, you know, force, the power of darkness. And, um, and big, um, you know, the, uh, the Buddhist temple also you will find everywhere. And the next slide. Okay, so I just want to you know, mention a little bit about our church plant ministry. Uh, um, can you display the next slide? Yeah, this is, this is our country, Nepal. So we have 35 churches at the moment, uh, from, starting from eastern part to western, uh, you know, east to west, and 35 churches. And um, so we have been working among all these churches. One of my main responsibilities is to, uh, you know, um, of course, helping uh, people to plant churches and training leaders and raising, you know, uh, more leaders. At the moment, Nepal is considered as a country where Christianity is growing rapidly. In 2016, we received a new constitution in our country. Nepal uh, used to be Hindu kingdom, but the new constitution declared Nepal to be a secular state. And when it is a secular state, the Christians can also, or any religious group, can practice their faith openly. But what happened after 2016, after receiving a new constitution, six months down the line, the, the parliament passed a new bill called anti-conversion bill. Because whatever happens in India politically, since ever Modi came in power, there has been a lot of persecution to Christian churches. So, so many states in India, they passed the anti-conversion bill, and whatever happens in India, uh, India just spills over in Nepal. So, so Nepal also passed an anti-conversion bill, and, um, and things got really, really, really difficult, you know. So one the Hindu kingdom uh, received new constitution, declared as a secular state, and they knew that only the Christians, only the you know, Christians are the one who win more people into the kingdom. So they did not make, you know, pass this anti-conversion bill for Hindus or, or Buddhists or Muslims. So this was to tackle the growth of Christianity in our country. But let me tell you, the more persecution we face, the more gospel spreads out. So, so people tend to think that, you know, like bringing persecution might stop the growth of Christianity, but it does not. In fact, it adds fuel, you know, into the gospel. So, yeah, this is the sort of our small uh, little country and uh, full of big mountains. And um, recently there has, there's a movie called 14 Peaks on Netflix. Maybe that is something you might want to watch and, uh, and, and get to know more about Nepal, you know. It's a very inspiring movie, though. So, uh, next, sorry, I'm not here to promote any movie in, on Netflix, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just thought, you know, that might just help you to understand, you know, uh, our country better. <laughs> Um, oh, they, um, they, they be a little bit more slides. Are they there? 
Oh, sorry. I, I think I sent you the wrong slide, probably. Okay, that, uh, that's fine. I just wanted to share a couple of things. Maybe you can go back to that, that map, the, the Nepal map. Yes. So um, uh, there were two slides. I had, I had put it. Maybe, maybe I sent you the wrong one. Um, the one of the key, how the churches are planted in Nepal through healing and signs and wonders. And that is something very prevalent in our country, but I think, I think in the Western world, maybe it is still happening, but the churches are you know, little moving, moving away from healing and signs and wonders. So um, there's a lady in our church who came to, who, who called me um, Saturday, Friday evening, and she wanting to come to church. And, and the churches were going through persecution during that, that time. So I wasn't quite sure who this lady was. And so we had to be a little bit careful. And I said, okay, why don't you come to church tomorrow morning, which is on Saturday. We meet on Saturday. And uh, this lady comes to church. I you know, welcomed her. She was part of our worship uh, worships and, and, and the service as well. And then at the end, she comes and she tells us that she's suffering from breast cancer. And um, and doctor had only given her um, uh, six months to leave, and uh, she was devastated. She went to all the hospitals, tried to get all the treatment, tried every every possible way to 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 cure, you know, to to get healing from the cancer. But after coming to our church, and um, we really did not, I really did not know what to tell her, and I said, okay, we're gonna pray for you. And not only mother, the daughter, daughter also, inflicted by some kind of spirit. At night, she would just wake up and jump on her bed and just, you know, like, she, she used to get crazy at night. And for many, many months, the, the mother and, and daughter, they could not sleep. And they came to our church. We laid hand on her. We prayed. And see, and the, the whole family go back to their home. Next morning, this lady calls me and she said, Pastor, for the first time after many, many months, my daughter was able to sleep throughout the night. And, and, and that was something this family had never, ever experienced. And they kept on coming to our church for several months. Every, you know, every Saturday after the church, the whole church would come around her, lay hand on her, and we would pray. And you know, good news, after six months down the line, they, you know, she used to go to hospital like every month, and, and six months down the line, she comes to church, she says, all her uh, results are, uh, you know, negative. So the cancer completely, you know, dissipated from her body. And, and this is just one story. There are a lot of, lot of other stories, you know, people. Uh, this is one of the key how we preach the gospel. Just by sharing word, people are not convinced. Because in Buddhism, my wife comes from Buddhist background. Even in Buddhism, they can perform a lot of, lot of signs and wonders. But for any signs of wonders, you have to pay a lot of money. If you don't pay money, you know, I know the, 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 uh, the saint or, or the, the, the witch doctor not going to see you. But in Christianity, a lot of people come to us bringing offering and money. And sometimes people will come to us and say, Pastor, here is money. Please pray for my son or daughter or whatever the problem the family is going through. And we tell them, hey, listen, it doesn't work that way. In Hinduism or in Buddhism, you know, unless until you give some sort of offering, they're not going you know, to even see you. But in Christianity, we, we tell them, hey, listen, the gospel is for free. 
And by God's grace, you know, um, there's, uh, there's uh, one pastor um, uh, who leads a church in mid midwest part of Nepal. He leads one of, the, one of the largest church in advanced network in Nepal. And um, he works among a particular tribe, tribal group of people. And uh, this tribe, they worship nature and God and goddesses of their forefathers. So in order to keep them happy. So a lot of people, they, you know, I, I think sometimes when you worship this different spirit, they can come and inflict a lot of disease or a or, or lot of problem in your life. So there's a lot of fear and a lot of, you know, like condemnation. If you don't do this, you're going to, you know, you're going you're gonna to suffer. So literally people live under fear. And now from that community, so many people have come to faith. In fact, uh, you know, the people are brought in the church and they stay in the, in, in the church or with pastor for a couple of days until they get complete healing. So, and, and sometimes people ask, how do, we this, how do we do this healing? Let me tell you, we don't do any healing and we can't heal anyone. But Jesus said, those who follow me, they will lay hand on people, they will recover whether it is from sickness or from, from any, any kind of evil spirit. And um, it's a very simple. What we have to do is lay hand on people and cast the, you know, the sickness or rebuke the sickness and cast the evil spirit. And let me tell you, when we do our part, Jesus does his part. And when we lay hand on sick people, it is impossible, it is it is impossible nothing to happen something must happen when we lay hand on sick people it's very simple but there is a condition of course we lay hand on sick people we can't okay jesus said lay hand on sick people i'm going to lay hand if something happens happens if it does not happen you know of course if if it does not happen it is not your problem it is jesus's problem because he said you go and do this of course, that's what you have to follow. If you can't heal anyone, it is not up to you to heal anyone. And it is Jesus' problem, and he knows how to fix it. But there is a condition. When you meet any people or anyone who is suffering from uh, any kind of disease or inflicted by any sort of spirit, when you approach those people, you got to have love in your heart for them. Because God loves them so much. So we can't just go lay hand, okay, if something happens, happens, and if it doesn't happen, I'm going to walk away. I, I, it does not work that way. It's very simple, yet you have to have Jesus' heart and his mind when you lay hand on sick people. And Jesus, you know, when he looked at the crowd, he wept over them. You know, and he, he is full of compassion. So it's very simple, you know, yet... There's a condition. And um, so this is one of the key how we plant church. We go to the villages, pray for sick people, and when they get healing, they are the one who preach gospel. Then there's a big gathering comes together, and soon you will find you know, new church you know, being planted in that place. 
So without signs and wonders, it is next to impossible to preach gospel in our country because the, the Buddhist, Buddhist uh, monk also can perform a lot of signs and wonders. In fact, I went to my wife's village because her grandfather had died, who was one of the main uh, monk in that area. So when the chief monk dies, all the monks would come together and they would they do these rituals for weeks. And on the final day, which is the like main and final day, um, and a lot of people come together. So we also just went to be with the family. And my wife sort of forbidden me to walk in the community and she forbidden me to even go, even going into anyone's house or eating or drinking anything. And I could not believe. I said, Rebecca, like, you know, why can't I go? Why can't I meet? And she would say, no, 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 don't go. Don't go all the time. And even if you go, don't drink anything from that house. I said, why? Because the monk can cast a spell in the water to try to kill me in order to prove that he is powerful than me. And among the, among the monks, there's always rivalry, always trying to prove who is, who is big, you know, like who is powerful. And although Buddhism might look a religion of peace, doing meditation, isolating themselves, going up in the mountains, you know, it looks very peaceful outside. But among them, there's a big war going on. And always, you know, like, like you might be aware of the fact that they do meditation, right? So there are different stages of meditation. You do this level and you try to achieve peace, but there's no peace. Then they have to go to another level. So the level never ends. And at the end, if you want to receive true peace, you have to give up your family, give up your work, give up everything, and isolate yourself. And it's never ending sort of endeavor. You know, you have to keep on doing. And that's where with Jesus, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to give any money. And we tell them, you just believe in Jesus and, and the, his work on the cross. By the grace of God, we have seen a lot of, lot of healing, signs, and miracles. And uh, I tell you, Jesus is still the same. And if you look at, if you look at you know, the, the, the gospel, everywhere Jesus went, he preached, the, he preached about the kingdom of God and healed the sick. And um, we have seen so many, you know, healings in our part of the world. And, and not only healing, but like, like this is like cancer. Who would have thought that, you know, this, this lady going to heal? You know, the result of that, a lot of people from her family member came to our church. They just wanted to, because for them, we are like a priest, right? Like, like one, of, one of the Hindu priests. So they wanted to come and see who we are that cures the cancer. And we said, no, it's not us. Then we would you know, lead them, we would point them to Jesus. So um, we have seen amazing, amazing breakthrough over the years, especially during the pandemic. There was a, there was a big chaos all, all around the world, and a lot of people were losing their family members and all that. And people, a lot of people, they turned to Jesus during that time. And out of, out of you know, the service that we provided to the community and the, the, the prayer and other services, seven new churches were planted after the pandemic. So the more problem, you know, we are facing, you know, uh, in our part of the world, the more people have come to faith. So even when we go through, you know, in our life, in the time of difficulties, Jesus is, is still there. So I'm just going to share one scripture with you. Uh, can we have that next? The, yeah. Jesus is our good shepherd. 
So this is something has been very you know, close to my heart and very you know, fascinating as well. Um, 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 this is a story from John 21. As you know, uh, you know Jesus was crucified and all the, uh, all the um, disciples were sc scattered everywhere and Peter was one of them. And I like to talk about Peter. Peter, he, he's a like, very passionate guy. He would do anything for Jesus. In fact, you know, like he, he even, uh, you know, um, he even chops, you know, the, the soldier's ear as well. So passionate for Jesus. But when Jesus was persecuted, he was taken on the cross and Peter, he ran away from Jesus. And in fact, Peter had, uh, Jesus had told Peter that you're going to deny me three times, which he did. And after Jesus' crucifixion, Peter must have thought, what is this guy? You know, for three, I gave three years my life, followed him, and expecting that, you know, he's going to take us to heaven, or maybe give, he's going to give us a new kingdom. But what happened at the end? Nothing. Three years of my life, following Jesus, everything is vain. So, one thing Peter knew was fishing, right? So, he goes back into fishing with other friends, and we know the whole night he worked hard, he toiled, and he received nothing. He got nothing. Jesus is our good shepherd. Let's remember. You know what happened this morning? Peter was on his way. He, he Probably he wanted to have nothing to do with Jesus. Because Jesus is our good shepherd. He went after Peter looking for him. Although... Jesus must have felt, you know, like, oh, 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 Peter must have felt, you know, Jesus betrayed me and Jesus wasn't, you know, good enough. But despite of, you know, Peter's, um, you know, um, a faithfulness or despite of Peter's uh, responsibility, you know, he, he sort of walked on his way and drifted away from Jesus. And Jesus is good shepherd and he has promised he never, ever going to leave us alone. Dear friends, there has, there has been time in our lives you know, we were very close to Jesus, then other time we were maybe far away from Jesus. But what Jesus did here was, he went looking for Peter. And this is something, you know, like sometimes I can't put my head around, you know, in this. Such a, you know, such a passionate guy, he wanting to like do everything for Jesus. After his crucif uh, crucifixion, he chose his path, he went away. And Jesus, in his kindness, he came looking for Peter. And you know, this is the guy Jesus had told, you are the rock. On this rock, I'm going to build my church. But when he was fishing, Jesus comes there and one of the disciples says, oh, he's, he's our Lord. And, uh, you know, he wraps his cloth around his waist and he jumps out of the boat and, you know, gets to Jesus. And Jesus looks at him. He wasn't, he wasn't the Peter anymore. For Jesus, he was Simon, son of Jonah. So from that rock, he was drifted away to be a defeated man. And Jesus found him when he was defeated. He wasn't rock anymore. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't that, that solid rock on which Jesus wanted to plant, plant his church. 
So dear friends, I think we have gone, we have walked, you know, through that path. But whatever, you know, difficulties of path or, or you know, like you might have gone away from Jesus, let's be assured that Jesus is our good shepherd and he's never, ever going to leave us alone. Maybe one day I might feel, I might feel that strong, that rock on which Jesus was going to you know, plant church. Maybe other day you may not feel like, like that rock. But we may not be faithful to Jesus. But let's remember, Jesus is always faithful to us. And he leaves 99 sheep. Even, even if you like go away from him, he leaves 99 sheep in order to find you. And Jesus is faithful to find you wherever you are, no matter whatever circumstances you are in. And he worked whole night, he got nothing. But in the morning when Jesus commanded him to do something, which he did, and he caught a lot of fish. Can I just, can I just you know, say this to a lot of young people here? Let's obey Jesus. Sometimes, you know, not only young people, but all of us, sometimes we do things in our own strength, not listening to Jesus. But when we listen to him, there's always blessing in our work. And, and sometimes it, it may not make sense. It may, it, it, it may not make sense, but Jesus, when he asks you to do something, you must do it because there is a purpose. He's not going to ask you to do something and, uh, and, 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 and there's no blessing, of course. When we listen to him, when we obey him, there's always, there's always blessing. And this, he, he always rewards when we are obedient to him. And, um, and let's remember, Jesus is faithful. He's going to come and find you. And can I, can, I, you know, can I say something to the leadership team here? And Jesus found Peter, and he asked this question three times. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And we know at the end, Peter was frustrated. Jesus, yeah, for sure, you know this. You know this. I have been with you all these years. But Jesus, you know, wasn't, I mean, Peter wasn't very faithful, you know, when, when Jesus was crucified. And uh, he, he wanted to make sure that Peter still loves me the same. And he says, feed my lamb. And then, you know, look after them. Then feed my sheep. And I was looking at the, you know, at the, you know, the dictionary. What is the difference between lamb and sheep? Of course, lamb are maybe below 12 months. You know, new believers just have come to church, just have come to faith. Maybe the sheep are grown up or, or, or matured people, you know. So it could be anyone. So Peter, uh, God, um, Jesus wanted to make sure that Peter still loves me. Dear friends, God is not going to entrust his sheep to us if we don't love Jesus First, so although Jesus, I know Peter was backslided, Peter had chosen his own path. He, he was a fisherman. He had gone to, you know, uh, gone to, you know, make his livelihood in, in, in fishing trade. But he he tried whole night. He could not do anything. And Jesus reinstated Peter where he belonged to. Yet Jesus, uh, Peter wasn't faithful, and Jesus went after him and found him. And this is something I, I, as a pastor of the church, there are going to be a lot of people in our church or in our congregation or in our society or in your, work, in, in your workplace. You know, maybe they, they may not be faithful to you. Maybe they might hate you. Maybe they may, they, they may not like to hear about Jesus. So no matter how people treat you, we as, we as a children of God, we have to be, you know, we have to have Jesus' heart. 
we have to go and find those people who, who have drifted away from Jesus. Of course, the condition here is he wants to make sure that we still love Jesus more than anything else. And this is something, you know, God wants to make sure that, that you know, we, we will go through difficulties. You know, the, you know, we might go through uh, trials and temptations. And even if you drift away, even if you, like, go away, you know, far away from Jesus, first, you cannot run away from him. No matter wherever you go, you hide. He is going to find you because he is faithful shepherd. And I as, a, I, as a pastor, in the past, when people, you know, do foolish things, I used to, like, okay, if you want to go, go, you know, like, and I, I don't want to deal with this thing. It's, it's a too much. It is better for him to sort of go so that I don't have to, you know. But Jesus never, ever gives up on us. Dear friend, let's remember. I'm just, I'm just going to read one more, one more scripture from First Corinthians. Um, this is something I find it very fascinating. So, of course, we might say Jesus is Jesus. That's why he could, he could go after people and, and find them and restore them. But it is not only about Jesus, Paul, an apostle. And he writes this letter to Corinthians church. We know Corinthians church was messed up. There wasn't anything that I would, I would try to follow them. You know, a lot of immorality, division. Someone would say, no, I'm Nick's disciple. I'm his man. Someone would say, no, I'm Neil's, you know. And someone would say, no, I'm his man. You know, there was a lot of division in the church. And I don't think so anyone would want to be part of, you know, that sort of church. And, um, and wrong teaching, and a lot of problem. But Paul wrote this letter to address them. He did address them. He did bring a lot of correction. But the greetings that Paul writes is something that I could not put my head around, and which I think Paul, as being a servant of God, he had God's heart. That's why he could you know, use these words in, so that they can restore to to. to, to you know, to the place where they belong to. You know, the, the, the Corinthians church, where it was, it, you know, it, it's not the right place. So he writes to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Jesus Christ, chapter verse 2, sanctified in Jesus Christ and called to be holy. There are two words. One, sanctified, and another word is holy. Look at the Corinthian church. Are they, do they look like people who are being sanctified? Do, do they look like holy people? They are not anywhere closer to these two words that Paul uses for them. But Paul knows if these people repent, if they come back, they are sanctified and they are holy people in Jesus Christ. So how do we look at those people whose life is messed up, you know, not, not living according to the word of God? Can we still look at them with this lens? Oh, these are holy and sanctified people, although they are going through some difficulties. And as a good shepherd, they need, they need help. Dear friends, the thing that I want to, the thought that I want to leave you with is, let's come back to Jesus. And let's fix our eyes on him. And of course, sometimes I have failed, I have failed to treat people properly. And, and that's where you know, I had to repent myself first. Jesus, I want to have your heart. No matter how unfaithful people are, 
I'm going to go after them and I'm not going to give up on anyone. That is the commitment I have made with Jesus as a, as, as a leader, as a pastor. And I think I'm going to live up to that, that commitment. And it's not easy. Sometimes people are very annoying. Sometimes, you know, sometimes like, like you don't want to meet. You, you don't want to even go to the church because of this one person. When we encounter Jesus, we will not be the same. Our life will be transformed from one glory to another. Dear friends, let's look at Jesus. And let's look at Paul's heart. How kind he was to Corinthian church when he writes this letter. Full of grace. Full of mercy. Of course, you know, this is something I, I want to be, you know, no, no matter what. And I think this is not only for the leaders and pastors, but this is for all the believers because during pandemic, one of the things that we have learned was because we could not come together, and I had to tell all single individual family, listen, husband, you are the pastor of your family, you know? So we all are leaders in some capacity. We all, we all have to lead, you know, someone, you know, there are people that we need to lead. So we all are leaders. We all are, you know, you may not be leader in this church. Maybe you're a leader in your working place. Maybe you're a leader in your family. So we're leading someone. So we have this greater responsibility to love people despite of their condition. And that's what we see Jesus doing. And that's what Paul does. Although, let me remind you, Paul, he brings a lot of correction. But the lens, you know, the, the, you know, the lens determines how you're going to conduct with that person. So let's fix our eyes on Jesus, you know, and let's catch his heart and let's be loving and gracious to each other. And I think that's how we're going to glorify Jesus and he will be visible in our life. And, and that's, what, that's what something I want to grow as a leader, as a pastor, because there are 35 churches, there are 35 leaders, you know, the individual leaders, they have their own, own leadership group, and, and, you know, some of the leaders, I wasn't getting along very well with them, and I had to tell myself, no matter what, I'm not going to give up on them, and Jesus did not give up on Peter, and Paul did not give up on Corinthians church, so we have hope and expectation, you know, that Jesus is still the same and he's going to do this, you know, do what he has done, you know, in the past or, or, or to these churches or to these people. Shall we all stand? Thanks, Puran. One of the gifts we have of being connected in a network of churches is we get to... Uh, be, if we are comfortable, we get to be afflicted. If we are afflicted, we get comfort. And I think Poran did that uh, really well this morning. Um, just want to commend you and Rebecca for the role that you play uh, in Nepal. They play a really significant role just in um, Poran's humility. He, he, uh, he provides pastoral oversight to six families that provide pastoral oversight to 35 churches that are growing. Um, that are seeing things that we would love to see within the context of our environments, um, and just really super encouraged by you. So I'm going to ask 
uh, for two things, Barana. I want you to pray for us in this way. Number one, I want you to pray that we would begin to see more of the power of God, the kind of power that you are seeing um, in Nepal as we pray for people. Um, we want to see people healed and set free and come to a relationship with Jesus. Um, and then also just for us, the, certainly that one area that we can't move away from is that Jesus said, lay hands on the sick, pray for them. I love the way that Puran said, and if they're not healed, it's not your problem, it's Jesus' problem, you know. And we know it's more complex than that emotionally, but the reality is, is the one thing that we are called to is obedience. That's the one thing we can control. What we can't control is whether someone is healed or not. Um, and so I, want, I wonder if you could pray for that. And then the other area is, do you feel like uh, Jesus is calling to you this morning um, in the sense of you've wandered or drifted or even been angry um, and you've gone back to what you know. Peter went back to what he knew. Um, and Jesus called him out of that and said, you're not, you're not going to fish, you're going to take care of sheep. Now we know what that meant. Um, but maybe, maybe you're in that process. Uh, and then also maybe, like, like Puran said, maybe there's someone in your life that you need to pursue. That even as, uh, as you've been sitting here and hearing the stories God is right now speaking to your heart about this person that hurt you, that wounded you, that betrayed you, but that you know the Spirit of God is saying, I want you to pursue them. I want you to pray for us, and then we're going to respond in worship. Lord Jesus, more than anything we ask this morning, give us your heart we want to be like you Lord we don't want to fix our, our eyes on family, friends or the leaders or anyone but we want to fix our eyes on you Jesus Lord Jesus every day we want to walk with you more than anyone else in our life Lord Help us to come back to that place, the place of intimacy every day where we would come and sit with you and converse and hear your voice for the day. Lord Jesus, we just, we don't want to assume that we know everything. Yes, we might know few things, but we don't know everything. And we want to hear your voice in our life every day, Lord Jesus. We submit ourselves we submit our thoughts. We submit our mind and heart and everything to you, Jesus. You come and be master in our life. We surrender ourselves to you, Lord. Help us to be like you, Jesus. There's nothing on this planet. No movie stars or no sports personnel or anyone on this planet that, that we want to follow them, Lord. We don't want to follow any of those people, Lord. We want to follow you. We cannot replace you with anything else, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your faithfulness. I also pray for mercy comments that you would encourage people to lay hand on sick people and 
so that the church witnesses signs and wonders and miracles that that when we preach the gospel the world cannot argue against it or argue with signs and wonders lord we just don't want to live a life that is not that does not glorify you jesus we want to surrender we want to we want to give you all the glory lord i pray for single individual that are here lord jesus this morning you you would encourage them personally lord and give them faith to lay hand on sick people without any hesitation and expect expecting for the miracles to happen in our in our in our world the world which doubts all the time there are people who do not want to walk with jesus lord we pray that you would bring them through the signs and wonders i pray for those people who are really really struggling to know you better lord you would come and speak to them in dreams and and you would manifest yourself through signs and wonders healings the difficulties that people are going through that 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 they would get victory over all their struggles lord just come holy spirit feel all of us lord we want to walk with you jesus help us to fix our eyes on you lord i pray for all the children that are here lord jesus you would use them in your kingdom in a, in a way that that never ever ever happened before lord is lord we acknowledge children are vital part of our church and 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 they are capable of transforming lives anoint all the children that are here lord jesus all the fathers lord i pray for them that they would they would become a best father for the family lord a setting up an example that that glorifies you lord jesus thank you for your mercy thank you for faithfulness no matter how far we drift away from you lord we understand you are good shepherd and you are faithful one and we just want to thank you for your faithfulness lord jesus the world where we live we are distracted by so many things lord i pray among this distraction among the misery among the disaster that is happening different part of the world the war i pray lord jesus you would give us a time where we can spend with you to hear to hear your voice every day thank you lord this 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 nothing this nothing we could ask for more than spending time with you lord i pray for more signs and wonders that would follow after the preaching of your word jesus thank you lord you have not changed you are still the same the jesus that we read in the bible that's what we want to see in our days thank you jesus all the signs and wonders and miracles that we have seen in, in our part of the world in india in nepal and different part of the world lord jesus we pray that you would continue to do what has to be done for the people in this world lord thank you jesus we bless you and we worship you it's because of jesus that we have faith 
It's because of Jesus we have joy and freedom. It's because of the meal that we celebrate that we remind ourselves that it is His blood that has given us freedom from our sin. It is His broken body that brings us wholeness and healing. And uh, what I want to do is invite you to the table um, and then to two responses. One, a very, very simple response is if you feel like God is stirring in you to pray for people to be healed, um, I want Puran to go to my left, to your right, and to pray for you for an increase in faith, an increase in gifting, an increase, an increase in risk to actually be able to go and say, man, I, I, w- I want to see this more. And then I, f- I feel like there's, a, there's another response that um, Steph has for us. Uh, yeah, so this morning I was sensing some things for the meeting today. Um, and I think first off I wanted to start by challenging uh, like a colloquialism of our culture right now of it is what it is. Um, it's, it's, I think it's an attitude actually, not just a saying. Um, and I think I went through a season in my life where I felt out of control and rather than stepping out in faith, for what God could do through those circumstances, I disconnected emotionally um, so that I wouldn't be devastated by hardship. And um, so that I was walking in that attitude of it is what it is. Um, And so this morning I felt uh, a desire to call people to hope and dream in God again. Um, And I mean, I think that it really does fall in line with the faith that, um, that we've seen talked about and displayed um, by the church in Nepal. But um, the, idea, the idea that it is, it's better to not hope and it's better to not ask because then I won't be disappointed um, is something that I think many of us kind of just live out. Um, and I, I saw a picture of somebody uh, taking, like wearing sunglasses that were scratched um, and those sunglasses provided a a level of protection from um, like in the brightness of day, there was protection for their eyes, but at the same time it, it cast um, like a a partial view of what God was really doing. And by um, setting aside the desire to not be let down, but by operating out of hope and faith in what God can do, Um, We can take off those sunglasses and see that what he does, um, whether it looks like what we expected it to or not, is is in his goodness. And um, so I I was brought to Hebrews um, 11, and, you know, it says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Um, We have to engage our hope and our expectation of Jesus um, in order to really operate in that faith that brings signs and wonders and to dream um, and look ahead in what God can use us for in the kingdom. And so I would like to pray for people that have felt a disconnect from being able to hope and dream in the things of God. So Steph will be on that side. This is what we're going to do. We're going to go to the table. If you're a Christ follower, um, I want to encourage you to grab 
um, a representation of his blood and his body, um, and then take it at your own pace. We're, we're not going to lead in it together this time around. There's a number of different ways and we're going to respond. It is what it is, is not faith. It's fatalism. And if you're in a place of it is what it is, uh, Steph would love to pray for you. Uh, if you want to receive physical healing or you, you want to pray for people to be healed physically, um, we would love to pray for you in that area. So I'm going to dismiss you uh, to take communion. We're going to continue worshiping. Father, I want to thank you for your sacrifice. I want to thank you that you knew that we needed you to come and rescue us. I want to thank you for your pursuit. And I want to thank you that in a weird way, you have made the rescues the rescuers. And God, I want to pray uh, for these precious friends. I want to pray for those that are sitting with this thought of it is what it is. I want to thank you that as, as we hold in our hands the reality of it does not need to be that way. I want to thank you that our sins have been dealt with. I want to thank you that our future is secure. And I want to thank you that we have the privilege of going into a world that really needs a message of hope as hopeful people. And so I pray that as we get released, that your spirit would rest upon us with a sense of hope and faith and joy. My God, I pray that we would carry about us in our bodies the resurrected Christ. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to formally dismiss us, but the team is going to continue to sing. If you're doing business with God on your own, if, uh, if you're wanting to receive prayer for anything that I haven't mentioned or are just waiting, please feel free to do that. The rest of us are going to gather at the back. Um, as we continue our morning gathering to get to know one another. But for the rest of us, we're going to go out there and be the church. Thank you for listening to the Mercy Commons podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, please rate us and hit subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at mercycommons.church.